Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, personal besties. Welcome back to another episode of Live Your Personal Best. I'm very excited for today's episode because we're talking all about running with a physical therapist who specializes in running injuries, Brody. And before you turn this off, because I know what you're thinking, you're like, Emily, I've never been a runner and I'm never going to be a runner. I thought the same thing too. And this conversation literally changed the way that I think about running. Like, I'm not trying to like, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but just this guest, Brody is so amazing. And you know, those conversations that you listen to and you're like, wow, this changed my perspective. And I'm going to remember this for a really long time. That's what happened when I was talking with Brody here. And I'm sure you're going to like hear it in my voice and see it in real action here. But his mindset around running and training and helping beginners who have never been runners before, or maybe were always forced to run as like punishment from coaches, how to actually enjoy it and get on the bandwagon that so many people talk about of like the runner's high and loving running and all of that. So he goes through the whole transformation. I go through it in real life, like in real time for the conversation. So I can't wait for you to experience that too. This is one of my favorite episodes ever recorded. You're in for a treat. So stay tuned. Send this to a friend to make sure that they hear it too. And with that, let's get started. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are joined by Brody. He's a physiotherapist from Melbourne, and he's on a mission to bring clarity and control to runners by busting misconceptions and building your running IQ. He's the owner of the Run Smarter Physiotherapy Clinic and the host of the Run Smarter podcast. Thanks for joining us, Brody. Thank you very much for having me, Emily. I know that you specialize in running and specifically with running injuries, too. Is this something that you also dealt with in your past with a ton of running injuries or how did you get passionate about this space? Absolutely. So I graduated from physiotherapy in 2012 and I, I was, I grew up playing basketball and so followed that team sport, maybe about two or three years into my physio career, then gave that up, then started doing this recreational running sort of thing. My sister was training for a half marathon and just wanted me to help her and help train with her as a bit of a accountability and kind of make it a bit fun training together. And yeah, quickly caught the bug. And when I was working in physio clinics, I was 
it's a generic kind of physio clinic seeing anyone under the sun. But as soon as I became a runner, especially when I became an injured runner, um, I had this heightened passion whenever an injured runner would come into my clinic to get their, their injury sorted, get back to pain-free running. I just had this heightened passion to try and educate them as much as I could and try to get them back to pain-free running as much as I could, recognizing that seeing that population brought out my better self and brought out me trying to strive for better clinical outcomes and just grow as a physio. Then I decided to switch gears, uh, venture out on my own and start the Run Smarter podcast, start the Run Smarter Physiotherapy Clinic, which now I'm just solely focusing on just treating runners and educating that population. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love how you just decided to pick up the half marathon with your sister. If I had a sister doing that, I'd be like, okay, maybe you can train alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I try my best to encourage my sister's endeavors as much as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. And especially with this running space too, because I'm sure, you know, you had seen running injuries before, but I think it's a space that's not talked about a lot. I think that, you know, we all are used to running. That's what we did in gym class growing up. Right. So we think that we already have the fundamentals, but I think that, you know, I I've personally, I've never kind of gone into it and thought about what is my running form and is this something that's going to get me injured? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people like they just don't know what they're getting themselves into. A lot of people just one foot in front of the other, see how they go, try and run as fast as they can uh, every single run that they do. Uh, and they learn quickly because their body lets them know they'll develop injuries very quickly. And it's within the first couple of months of just fumbling their way through injuries or just not really enjoying the process. Um, they either give up because they're like, no, nope, running's not for me. It's like, I'm not good at it. I just feel like I'm struggling. I'm not making any gains or they like kind of persist beyond that couple of months trial and error and they end up finding a good love for it and finding that it's fine to run slow and you should be running slow in most cases and yeah actually starting to enjoy the experience and then when they see the the gains that they make they see their improvements on the back end of that it just becomes more enjoyable yeah no because that's definitely the main goal of it is you know to become enjoyable so for these people that are you know dealing with the injuries early on and these first few months are a struggle what's the main issue that you see like is it the form is it the training plan like what's the issue there yeah i think this is a really nice um topic to start with because athletes need to know runners need to know that uh when it comes to running related injuries it's not like a trauma-based injury. You're not twisting twisting anything. You're not falling to the ground. You're not getting tackled. It's not um, these direct blow trauma-based injuries. They're overuse injuries. So it's you doing something over and over and over again that surpasses what the capacity of a certain um, structure in your body is can withstand. And so a good example would be um, just thinking about every muscle, every ligament, every joint tendon in your body has a certain threshold. It will, it does have a certain capacity. And if you train beyond that, the body starts to break down rather than build up. It's purely just a load management scenario. Um, if we just play with that simplistically, because there are a couple of nuances in there as well, but with most runners and most athletes, if you start running, they don't really recognize the amount of load that goes through their body two to three times your body weight goes through your joints, especially your ankle, especially your knee and hip, every single step that you take. So depending on your weight, depending on how many steps you take, that accumulates an enormous amount of load. And 
is prone to kind of exceeding that load really easily if you're not adapted to the the life of running and if you're not adapted to those generating those loads. And so people get overuse injuries very quickly because they go out, they run too fast, they run too far and they their body, they just find that reaching point where the body breaks down and then they have to take some weeks off or they have to backstep and like dictate, let an injury dictate how far they can run or how fast they can run. When in fact, when they're very first starting out, a lot of walking can be done mixed in with a bit of jogging here and there. And then you just slowly build up. It should be a nice, easy intensity a nice, easy, like slow pace, you could say. And then to see how the body responds quite well, then we do a little bit more the next time. Then we do a little bit more the next time. Overuse injuries are so common in the running population. So it's just understanding those principles about adaptation, understanding those principles about um, training, structuring your training in a way that um, minimizes that risk of injury. And in fact, on the Run Smarter podcast, episode one is adaptation education. It's because this is the number one lesson that you need to know before we can talk about anything else, before we can talk about recovery and speed sessions and training for a marathon. You just need to understand this foundation uh this foundation topic. Yeah. So we're kind of going at it a little too gung ho of, okay, I'm going to go out there and run. And then we're just completely overusing because we're not used to any sort of that force. Cause yeah, I didn't even think about it. You're literally like pounding down on your ankles and knees every time. Yeah. And people think that they are a runner if they run more than 30 minutes they run if they run more than 60 minutes and they see all their friends who are runners running ridiculous amounts running really far really fast and they think that's what they should be doing um or maybe they're just too embarrassed or like you know just not the type of personality to go out for a nice brisk exercise um maybe they're just you know gung-ho and so these are the these are the problems we run into yeah and then i don't want to put words into your mouth but what i kind of got from what you were saying was if you're starting out to incorporate walking at the beginning. So if you've never gone for a run, instead of going out and then only running, you kind of go on and off between the walking and jogging. Yeah. And it's a really nice way to introduce running to someone who is starting from a baseline level of fitness. Like if someone, say for my example, I came back from a a career in basketball training three times a week, running, jumping, sprinting, doing a lot of strength training. So conversation around, all right, where do I think my baseline fitness is? But we also know that, say, new parents that, w- that put on a bit of weight or get quite lazy and want to start exercising um, and they want to get into running, they haven't really done much strength work or they haven't really done much cardio work for several years, they're going to be most likely taking that conservative approach or needing to take that conservative approach because you want it to be enjoyable as well. If you're walking, if you mix up a lot of walking into your running, you're enjoying the day. It's not intense. It's not like this your calves aren't burning. You're not like putting your hands on your knees and kind of trying to suck in as much air as you can. That's not an enjoyable experience. And so seeing that run walk and like making slow, steady gains from there is a lot more enjoyable. It's going to reduce your risk of injury as much as you can. And it's just going to allow you to adapt a lot quicker. And one of the, the lessons I like to teach people is if you try and run and you run and you've exhausted yourself the next day you need to recover the day after that legs are still a bit sore. And then the the third day feel fresh and run again, you're not going to adapt as quickly. If you take the other approach and spread things out over a period of week uh, throughout the week and maybe run five, six times a week sometimes, but it's just really low intensity. 
you're going to adapt as a runner a lot quicker if you take that ladder approach rather than just grinding yourself into the ground. Okay. So you would recommend, you know, breaking it up into shorter times, shorter distances, but more frequently. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I love this conversation so far because personally, I'm not a huge runner, but I have a dog. And so when I go for these walks, like I'll do the little bursts of runs and then I'll always have to walk, you know, like a few like maybe one minute later, like 60 seconds later. And I always kind of like felt bad, but that's kind of like what you're saying, like a beginner needs to do. And so it kind of like helps with that baseline of, okay, this is where I should be starting. And then to build up from there, it's not like try to push myself and only run as far as I can, but to do those intervals. I I talk to runners all the time. You wouldn't believe how often very experienced runner will come to me and say, it took me so long to learn how to run slow. And when they start running slow, they the magic just happens. They feel fresher. They can build out a bigger mileage. Their body doesn't break down. And it's a skill. It's literally a skill. People think that when they run, they need to push off the ground as hard as they can, or they feel like they need to get a good workout in. They feel like they should be sweating. They feel like they should be panting, but it takes sometimes after two, three, four months for someone to be like, oh, you know what? I can actually reduce the speed. I can actually reduce my pace and still run, but it's just, it's just a light jog. And like when people just start out, like if you're walking your dog and having to run after them and feeling out of breath, um, it's, it's a skill to try and see if you can slow down the pace and if you can slow down the speed, because it becomes a game changer. Yeah. I love that advice. And so if someone is, you know, trying to learn how to become a better runner, trying to learn how to run just from the basics, do you recommend like, should this be on grass or a treadmill or hills? Like is, does that make a difference? Does that help at all? It doesn't, no, because your body, if you start out at a, a really conservative load, your body's just going to adapt to that surface. And where someone might go wrong is, yes, we know that if you run too far, you run too fast and you exceed that adaptation zone, your body's going to start breaking down. But also if you have an abrupt change in your training, whether you go from like a really supportive shoe to a minimalist kind of barefoot shoe too quickly, or if you change your services or terrain too quickly, that can also be an abrupt change that leads to injury. And so for an example, if someone is running on grass and they've been doing it for months because they feel like it's softer, it feels better. And then all of a sudden they do that same mileage and do it all on concrete, do it all on a really hard surface that might spike load because you're dealing with higher loads. You're pushing off the ground a little bit harder. Your tendons need to be a bit stiffer when you're on the harder surfaces. And so that could be an abrupt change as well, but no matter where your starting line is, what surface it's on, if you start with a lot of walks and a little bit of jogging, and then just increase it from there, your body does an amazing job of just adapting to that. Same with running technique. A lot of people run very different and a lot of people um, you look at and they don't really look like a runner. They don't look very efficient, but if you train slow and low and then build your way up, your body adapts to that running style. Your body does amazing jobs of doing it. And so that would be my advice when it comes to surfaces about a starting line, just start any way you want, but just make sure it's conservative. Yeah. So one's definitely not like better than the other. It's just the change of it that you have to be cautious of. And so you kind of just brought up technique and running form. And 
So is this something that people should like go and learn or since it's so individual and so unique to each person, is that something that you just kind of like figure out? Something I spend, like I could spend 60 minutes talking on this specific topic because a lot of runners will straight away, like if they become a runner, they start looking onto Google or Facebook groups and say like, should I change my technique? Do I need to change my form to reduce my risk of injury or increase my running performance? And you'll get a wide range of answers, but there's one common myth that's out there. And it's that you should transition from heel striking, from contacting with your heel to contacting more towards the toes and be a forefoot runner. It is a theory that doesn't hold up with science. You have um, the theory behind it, like the, the reasoning behind it is they think that when you contact and you run with your heel, so the very first time you're your foot makes contact with the ground. It's with the heel. They think that that produces a breaking force in your body. They tell you that it should be more efficient. If you contact with your toes underneath your body to propel you forward, because it's more efficient, it's less um, breaking force. It's less ground action force, therefore minimizing your risk of injury and increasing your performance, increasing your running efficiency. However, you can do. You can still contact your um, with your heel underneath your body and still receive those benefits. The if you were to look at a, a marathon for, for say, and you you look at everyone halfway through their marathon and see what their running technique is, ninety percent of all the runners out there are going to be contacting with their heel, no matter how fast they're running, no matter how experienced they are. It is the most prevalent type of running that you see out there. And so no one should just change from a heel strike to a forefoot strike just for the sake of just for just because someone's told them you can do just as many benefits. If you are over striding, that's something we uh, don't recommend doing. So if you very first make contact with the ground, it's really far in front of your body. That's producing the unwanted force that we don't want but you can make that transition and still contact with your heel and just be closer to underneath your body. And you're still going to receive those same benefits. Um, and if you actually, if you transition from a heel strike to a forefoot strike too quickly, again, similar to changing a surface, you are changing the demands on your body. You're changing the loads on your body, which sometimes can be too drastic. And you might end up with some calf strains or plantar fasciitis or an Achilles tendon issue because that change in running has been too abrupt. Yeah. So it's almost like trust with what your body's doing and what it's feeling like instead of just, oh, I read this thing. I'm going to change it real quick now, try to improve it. And it's not actually feeling good in your body. Yeah. The body will just tell you, it's like, what what are you trying to do? You, this is too different. It's too, too foreign. We just don't know what to do. And it's, I know a lot of people that have tried to transition from heel to four foot running and they've just ended up with a calf injury and, you know, is it safe? Probably not. Is it worth it? Probably not. Yeah. And then I'd love to hear from you. What do you think is like the number one injury prevention tip that's often overlooked or not utilized enough? I would say it's got to do with a couple of the principles that we talk about today. Like, yes, we need to adapt. We need to make sure that we train within our adaptation zone and don't have too much of an abrupt swing in training with it being distance, speed, um, terrain, going from you know, used to running with flats and then all of a sudden you're doing hills, those sort of things. That That's the number one. Um, the other one that I see is probably to do with intensity, like your, what we call your intensity distribution throughout the week. A lot of 
runners, this is a bit more for recreational runners who are a bit more experienced and not for uh, 100% beginners, but the bulk of your training needs to have kind of follow this, what we call the 80, 20 rule, 80% of your weekly running, which is the vast majority of your running should be at a very, very low intensity. And 20% is actually designed for you to start upping the intensities and trying to work into harder, faster speeds. And people think that in order for them to get fitter, to get faster, to improve on their running times, they think that they need to spend more time actually running fast and running like at those high intensities. But what they end up doing is overworking, uh, reducing their recovery times, and they are just too sore. They're getting too stiff for their, for their actual harder efforts. So their running speeds actually start to slow down because their legs don't feel fresh throughout the week. And what this 80-20 rule does really well is you increase your weekly mileage. So you're slowly ramping up those miles. But because of a lot, a lot of those mileage is really easy, really low intensity, your legs feel fresh so that when it comes to those harder efforts, you actually feel like you have the freedom to run as fast as you can or feel easier in those tougher speeds. If that balance is wrong and the recovery isn't really that adequate, then those fresh legs for those speed sessions and you're not going to get that full benefit. And so you end up just like melling into this gray zone of intensity is what we call it because you just simply don't have enough in the tank to, to put out those harder efforts. Oh, I feel like you described that perfectly. Like that gray zone. Like I know exactly what you mean because there's a huge difference between, yeah, like feeling fresh and you're like, okay, I can go to the hundred percent versus if you're already trying to ramp up when you're supposed to be going light. Yeah. You kind of get into that area of like, well, I'm already coming into it exhausted. And so, yeah, I can definitely picture what you're talking about there. How many times would you like do an exercise or go for a run and at the end of the run, feel like you are so fresh that you can do it all over again. It just like, it's very foreign. Like people don't really recognize that that's the outcome of that goal. That's the, the outcome of that exercise. And they say, okay, today's my easy run. And they set themselves like a 30 minute easy run. And then they feel super easy for 20 minutes. And then they're like, oh, there's minutes to go. I feel great. Let me just pick up the pace a little bit. And then the last five minutes, they say, oh, I actually feel really good. Let me pick up the pace a little bit. And then they're ending up puffing and, you know, increasing that intensity towards the end of the run because that's that's kind of their mindset. That's where their, their body goes when they feel really fresh. Whereas, you know, if you just keep to that really low intensity, you feel fresh, you can do it again tomorrow. Feel fresh again, you can do it tomorrow. And then you have fresh legs for your, your speed sessions. Okay. I feel like that's a huge shift that I've never once heard before, or at least all my coaches have never taught it. It's like that it's okay to feel fresh at the end of the workout. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have to be ramping up. If you do feel that fresh, you can keep it for tomorrow. That is great advice. Thank you. Yeah. It's like, like I said, it's that gray zone of intensity where people go too hard on their easy days. So they can't go hard on their hard days. It's just the that discrepancy, um, it can be really tricky and does require a bit of like practice does require a bit of trial and error might require like a running coach. If you're unsure of those intensities or heart rate zones are a, a good, um, measure as well. They have their limitations, but can be a good measure for people to start with. 
And I know that this might be a hard question for you, but if someone's a beginner and you know, you're like trying to become a runner and you're like, okay, what should my next step be? Should it be looking more into recovery or shoes and equipment, or should it be nutrition? Like, what do you think is the most important thing to focus on? I definitely think that recovery and nutrition is something that when you um, start challenging yourself, like if you need to, if your next challenge is like a marathon and you're building up a lot of mileage, that's something that you might want to start questioning because we're talking about output versus like your recovery needs to match your output. And if you're starting out and it's really low mileage, really conservative, there's not a lot of output there. And so your recovery can be a bit flimsy, you could say, but if it's say, if you wanted to go the next step, if you want to elevate your running, it's usually about slowly increasing the the overall volumes. So you might want to go from to running four days a week and seeing how that goes for a couple of weeks and then running five days a week and seeing how that goes, that's going to increase your level of fitness. It's going to increase your, your adaptation, the frequency that you can adapt to as a runner. So you're going to make hastier gains, but still within that same intensity distribution, still feeling fresh. I think that's going to be the number one key for you to elevate your game. Then if you start feeling like, okay, my mileage is slowly building up. I've got this good intensity distribution. I've got that 80-20 rule really well worked out. I think I'm executing that quite well. But still, I feel a bit um, tired when I wake up. My legs like take a little bit of time to feel like I, before I get into a nice, easy stride. Then we can start looking at a bit like recovery. Uh, we can look into things like your sleep. We can look into things like your stress management. We can look into things like nutrition just to see if there's more, more optimal strategies we can do around the recovery side of things. Yeah. I love that you're saying that like, none of this is like, you know, urgent day one, but it's like kind of when you do want to elevate it, you know, I think that running, it does have a lower barrier to entry. And I love that, you know, especially hearing from someone who is an expert saying that you don't need to worry about 20 different things at once is super refreshing. Yeah. And I think that's like once a runner once they love running, once they catch the bug, they want to do everything. They want to learn about shoes. They want to learn about technique. They want to learn about stretching. They want to learn about the warm up and the cool down and all that sort of thing. And it can get them down a few rabbit holes. Unfortunately, there's a lot of common misconceptions out there that can lead them a bit astray. But if you just stick to the basics, if you stick to the principles, that's 90% of what a good like developing as a runner, like all the stuff we've discussed today, that's like the 90% bulk stuff that's going to make you a good runner. Whereas all the other stuff, they're all just like little one percenters. And sometimes, like I said, there's a lot of misconceptions that can actually steer you in the opposite direction. But just just recognize that you, you shouldn't be like up half an hour earlier just to stretch because um, you think that stretching is going to reduce your risk of injury or prepare you for a run. When in fact, staying in bed and having an extra half hour of sleep is going to be the best recovery tool you have. And so pay attention to like the, the 90% and try not to focus too much on all those other things and think that they're going to be the, the, the big ticket. And sometimes it takes patience. Like sometimes you're not going to develop into a runner in a month. Sometimes it's going to take two, three, four months, um, marathon training takes about eight to 10 months. And so you need to be patient with these, these processes and you need to just trust the process. Yeah. Like don't get so bogged down in these little things that you forget about the most important and like the big things I'll move you forward. 
Yeah, I love that so much. Thanks for joining us today. Is there any one last piece of advice that you'd love to leave everyone with? Um, I'd say just make sure you're having fun. If you decide to become a runner or you decide to just give it a go to see how things are, fun. Like if you love listening to music, if you love listening to podcasts, if you love running with a friend or like having that social interaction, um, make sure it's not this harsh kind of delve into the running, hate the the first couple of weeks, and then just be something that you never do again. Uh, make sure that there, there are ways like stuff we've talked about today that can be enjoyable and you can start making gains and actually enjoy the process because running's great. Running's very community driven. It's very like self, like you get a lot of self-worth from it. You can see a lot of improvements. You can set yourself some really good fitness goals because of it. And so just have fun. Don't, don't grind yourself to the ground. Be kind to yourself when it comes to if an injury does happen or if you don't reach certain goals and yeah, just enjoy the process. I love that. Don't scare yourself away from running. I know that I've definitely been there before where I'm like, I'm not a runner, can never be a runner. So that is great advice. Where can everyone find out more about you, follow you, all of that? Definitely. If you're a runner, um, you can check out the Run Smarter podcast. I highly recommend always listening to the first 10 episodes. So the 10 episodes cover the 10 universal principles to reduce your risk of injury and overcome injury. And yeah, if you like kind of written or um, visual kind of elements, I'm quite active on Instagram as well. So run smarter series is my handle where I post blogs, I post exercises, I post running research and all those sort of things. And so, yeah, you can check me out there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think we might have to have you back in, you know, like six to eight months when we're all experienced runners and catch up again then. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, do me a favor and take a screenshot right now and post it on your Instagram story. You can tag me at live your personal best at live your personal best. Come say hi. Come say what's up. I would love to connect with you and this would help support me to continue bringing you free content. Thanks and see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.